0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com.
2: Welcome to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Wides, your host. Do you remember last week what I was talking about? Remember I was talking about hiking and how much hiking I had been doing? Still doing. And how I'm out there in the woods and I'm kind of always looking out for mushrooms. And the mushrooming season is just not happening this year. Not a speck. Nothing. No fungal activity still. And you know why? Because we're in the middle of a... Big, pretty freaking large drought. In case you hadn't noticed that it's very, very hot and there's no water. We did have a giant downpour on Sunday night, but barely a drop. Um so it's pretty freaking dry out there, which is great for hiking. Always good for hiking, but bad for mushrooms and plants and pretty much everything else that depends on water for survival. Um but you know, you know me. I'm always the optimist. Always the optimist. I try to put a positive spin on everything that happens to me. Keep it cheery and light. That's my motto. This is the new lighter, friendlier, more upbeat, Erica. So even though there's a big drought going on, I'm still, I'm going to try to to a positive spin today and say that even with all that, I can say that, that without a doubt, yes, timing is everything. I don't even really know what that means, but I'm trying to be positive here. Timing is everything. It's like Reagan being inaugurated just the just as the Iranian hostages were being released and then taking credit for it. And the fall of communism and dynasty being number 1 that season. It's, Reagan took credit for all of that. That is timing. Or Will Smith turning down the lead role of Neo in The Matrix, making the way for Keanu Reeves. But maybe he didn't even want to know about that one. Or Madonna getting old in the era of fillers and forehead lifts and Photoshop. Lucky for her. So you see, timing is everything. And while I didn't find any mushrooms last weekend... Oh yeah, this was my point. No mushrooms. While there were no mushrooms because of the drought, I did find Blueberries. Now, it so happened that last week, not this past weekend, the week before, was probably the peak moment for wild blueberries in the woods, in the secret, undisclosed location where I spend my summer weekends. So I picked wild blueberries. Wild! Not just organic, not just local, but wild, 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 man, I'm talking so organic and so wild that nobody grew them using questionable pesticide alternatives or put them in a package labeled organic and charged me three times as much for them. I'm talking real blueberries. Like, if an industrially raised blueberry is a primetime sitcom and an organic blueberry is a PBS documentary, then these blueberries would be about the last indigenous population in the last remote part of the Amazon who've never been filmed or photographed or Facebooked or friended and who just hunt and cook and have babies and dance around fires high off of mushrooms or whatever they do and have never aspired to be on a reality show because there is no TV in their world and reality is not a show to them. It's just their existence. That's how wild these blueberries are. Real, as in let's get real. So take that big organic. These are truly Wild blueberries. I didn't even wash them. Since what could be on them? Maybe some airborne pollutants or acid rain or, you know, maybe some raccoon pee. Some radioactive particles that floated down from Love Canal 20 years ago. But, you know, even so, at least it was still local pee, local radiation. Local acid rain. And so this past weekend, a few days ago... I was like, well, hell, let's go do the same hike because there were still tons of blueberries up there that we didn't get. Let's go get some more. So we went back up the mountain and all those little blueberries had shriveled up and dried out on the vine. You know why? Because there's a really big freaking drought going on. Even the leaves on the plants were all curled up into these like little curled brown like corn chip shapes and... The berries were kind of turning into little blue raisins, which I then rebranded blazins and marketed. But I picked them and ate them anyway, the blazins. It was really sad. In a, seriously, a week, a short, dry week. What could go so wrong? But remember, this is the new positive me. It was also a poignant and good lesson for us all in the fleeting nature of nature. You know all those sayings, gather ye rosebuds, and make hay while the sun shines, and carpe diem, and you're only as good as your last podcast, and all that kind of stuff? You got to get out there and get the good fruit while you can, because a week later, it could all be gone. And then what? Well, then you accept the reality of no more blueberries for a year. And that's it. Or is it? Or, of course, you could buy your blueberries. You could buy them. They're in season right now. This is blueberry season. Those really pumped-up, water-filled, fat-cultivated berries that taste kind of blueberry-esque, but not really. I mean, who among us, among amongst? Who among us has ever even eaten anything other than a cultivated blueberry? I mean, unless you're from Maine or New Hampshire, Some other state that has wild blueberries. I don't know, Michigan or something. The Jersey Berry from Hamilton, New Jersey is all we know. Hamilton is the blueberry capital of New Jersey. FYI. Jeopardy, just in case you're on Jeopardy. What is Hamilton, New Jersey? Now, I worked for a couple summers up in Maine in a hotel in the mid 90s. I was sous chef in a hotel called Quisasana. Quisasana. It's a beautiful place. And on my one day off a week, I would go out in the woods and I would go hiking and I would pick wild blueberries like crazy on those day off hikes in between my Willem Dafoe sightings, which I talked about last week. You can listen to last week's show, Eat Chicken, Not Fingers, and learn about that, my Willem Defoe sightings. So anyway, while those Jersey berries taste okay, they taste pretty good, even really good sometimes, because that's all we know. They become the what's the word? Some word like semiotic or one of those words, I can't remember. They become the, the the standard bearer, I guess. They don't really taste like blueberries. But you know how when you succumb to the foodiness monster and you eat something artificially fruit flavored, which we all do, and you think this doesn't really taste at all like the real fruit that it's supposed to be emulating, or rather the real fruit analog of this artificial thing doesn't taste at all like this synthetic version of it you get what i'm saying here why is that this blueberry flavored oat brand soy flax power bar doesn't really taste that much like that pint of fat watery blueberries i bought from the guy on the corner the point is that you don't even have a real reference anymore for fruit because we're so far down the foodiness rabbit hole and we were all born into the foodiness matrix, so our whole idea of what a real blueberry tastes like is faux. Now, not faux pho, pho, the Vietnamese soup. Pho, faux, f a u x. Just making sure you're not confused. It is a food show. So our whole idea of what a real blueberry tastes like is faux. Like even our fruit has become ersatz, ersatz, and disnified, like the High Line or Times Square or Ground Zero. All we know is what theme fruit tastes like, not actual fruit. So let me tell you what a real blueberry tastes like. It tastes of a mythical place, a place of imaginary fruit flavors. And I don't mean Skittles land, a place that must no longer exist in human consciousness or reality. This must be what fruit tasted like before foodiness and industrial ag and all that Flavor-killing stuff we've perpetrated on our food. It may be what fruit tasted like in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve tasted whatever that was—a pomegranate, a fig. No one knows. It probably tasted pretty good. Talk about being so far down the foodiness rabbit hole. We can't even identify the flavor of a real fruit when we stumble upon it in the wild, because they've taken the real flavor out of fruit and put it into bars and drinks and gum and gogurts and vodka where it doesn't synchronize with its surroundings. So it's totally out of context. And that's why the blueberries that we were eating on the mountain kept tasting to me like blue-flavored bubblicious that day. I can never know that flavor in a supermarket fruit because supermarket fruit doesn't taste like real fruit. Fruit doesn't taste like fruit anymore. Nothing is like what it really is. When we live in the era of tourists walking through Times Square, shooting video of their kids, instead of just walking and being afraid, which is how it used to be for us, or real housewives who aren't real or housewives at all and have TV series, or a pro-gay Massachusetts liberal turned anti-gay reactionary Mormon running for president. What are you going to trust anymore? Now, here's a little bit of fine print for you, okay? Full disclosure. I have to disclose to you. Fine print. It took me almost an hour to pick a pint of those blueberries. Okay? Almost an hour. Think about what you pay for a pint of blueberries in the store on sale. $1.99. An hour. And they were what would have once been considered normal-sized blueberries, which is like the size of a pea. Or a peppercorn, they were tiny. Think about today's size blueberry. So a pint of those took me an hour. But they were worth every single bent-over minute of that hour. And I can tell you that now I know what it is to be a migrant farm worker and the joy and satisfaction that comes from the job. Because these wild blueberries tasted so blueberry-y that they tasted like artificial blueberry flavor. It was like going so far down the rabbit hole that you come popping out the other end And you're back in reality. It was the China syndrome of blueberry flavor without the unfortunate Jane Fonda shag haircut. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just look up the China syndrome and maybe watch it for homework. Like that mythological flavor that we only ever taste in like blueberry cereal or in a muffin. The muffins that are studded with artificial blueberry flavor dots that are really just colored corn syrup. They didn't taste like the Jersey berries, and they certainly didn't have the toxic sheen of pesticide that coats the cultivated berries and has earned them a high spot in the Dirty Dozen list of most heavily sprayed fruits and vegetables, which is a topic I have delved into in the past. You can read, read, who reads? You can listen to my episode, Superfoods Are Super Fucked Up. They tasted so real and so much like actual blueberry flavor that... I was almost in tears eating them. I couldn't stop eating them. And since Chris, you all know Chris, Chris Nutter, my co-producer, Chris and I share this love of many things. We have a lot in common. One of the things we love is stories about conjoined twins. We also love watching reruns of Maud. And we also love fruit, really good fruit. Chris is gay, so he really likes fruit. Now, I brought him this teeny, teeny, tiny little container of them so that he could get just a little taste. Just give him a taste, get him hooked. And so he could swoon over them like I did. And in classic Chris fashion, he tasted one, saw that it was good, and then put them away and saved them for that night because his idea of a treat was to add them to his evening cocktail. So he infused his plain, unflavored vodka that he now drinks having broken his raspberry-flavored vodka habit after meeting me, infusing his plain vodka with blueberry essence naturally as opposed to a blueberry-flavored vodka, which I've also discussed in previous episodes. Vodka doesn't taste like cupcakes. And then after infusing the vodka, having the added bonus of being able to savor this mouthful of pure vodka-enhanced wild blueberry cocktail magic time. Just in time to catch the Maud rerun, where Florida Evans comes to work for Maud as her maid before Florida got her own spinoff, which was good times. You got to pay attention here, people. We're we're all over the map. So I approved of the fact that he put his blueberries into his vodka because some flavors are water-soluble, some flavors are fat-soluble, and some flavors are alcohol-soluble. And the alcohol made the fruit taste even better. So I approved. Now, I just ate mine with plain Greek yogurt. That's who I am. And I don't mean to dwell on this, but since it is my show, I will, because I can. These were seriously the best blueberries I've ever eaten. I know I've said that already, but it was like watching a 48-hour of... No, the comparison I'm trying to make here is that eating these blueberries was like, instead of watching... A 48-hour marathon of celebrity rehab, you are watching a Judy Garland biography documentary. Okay, that good. That good. And I would agree not to eat another blueberry again until next year. If I knew, I could get some of those babies again. But, alas, I can't make that promise. I tried, but they were gone. So I eat the occasional pint of toxic Jersey-grown fat berries. They're fat because they're pumped full Of water. We overwater our produce in this country to make it bigger. Have you noticed the size of onions lately? Water. It makes them big, and it makes them really sexy looking on the outside, but kind of one-dimensional and phony and flavorless in reality on the inside. Kind of like, like a Kardashian or like a Romney. Not darker and more intense and full of flavor and mystery like Obama or like me. And what was crazy to me is that while we were picking these wild blueberries, other people were coming along the trail, doing their hike, and they looked at us and they asked what we were doing. And we said, we're picking berries. And they looked kind of horrified at that. Horrified. And one woman said to us, actually said to us, you can eat those? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, they're blueberries. And a couple of people like tasted a few and then looked really surprised, and then they kept scurrying on down the trail, looking kind of like they were in desperate need of an organic blueberry power bar to exercise the unexpected blueberry reality from their system or something. People looked very suspiciously at us and very skeptical, like they couldn't believe there could be a food out there in the wild that you could eat. Which was totally fine because it left more for me. Left them all for me. Like, I'll share, okay? I will totally share. But only with people who can really, truly appreciate what they're getting. You know, like, you don't give a DVD boxed boxed set of PBS's An American Family to someone who watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians, for example. And you don't give a half a cup of real blueberries. You took an hour to pick by yourself to someone who drinks blueberry-flavored protein drinks. You give them to your almost-an-alcoholic publicist and co-producer to mix into a cocktail while he catches up on his mod episodes. I gave Chris the gift of real fruit. And I don't mean someone who's a 10 on the Kinsey scale. I mean the super rare, real, wild fruit. I gave him the gift of fruit. It's like people have become really programmed, like seriously programmed and accustomed to eating industrial, or even buying from a farmer, that they can't actually trust something that's truly wild. Like there's something wrong with the wild blueberry. Like it's scary or poisonous. But the farmer selling the same thing at the farmer's market for $8 a pint knows something that makes them safe, even though it's the same stuff. It's like I saw people at the farmer's market this spring selling stinging nettles for $15 a pound. Stinging nettles, a fucking weed. A weed, $15 a pound. People, we are a bunch of suckers. And that farmer knows, that farmer's smart. He knows that he's gonna make a nice fat little profit, all of those, and more power to him. But we don't trust anything that hasn't been abstracted and middlemaned. If it doesn't have a logo or a brand name on it, how can we trust it? So if it doesn't have a brand name and a price tag, it doesn't exist. So a real blueberry that took nature 4 billion years to design isn't trustworthy, but a blue-colored, artificially blueberry-flavored, snooky endorsed sports drink is. And on a funny little sidebar, speaking of wild versus cultivated food, remember last week I talked about those chicken-of-the-woods mushrooms? And their cousins, the hen of the woods. Well, such a weird thing. On Friday, I was at work and there were all these packs of cultivated, organic hen of the woods mushrooms. They had been purchased for some class or something and then not used. And so they were about to get taken off to city harvest. City harvest. City harvest. Where they'd probably just be like ground up into a soup or a sauce or something and never live to see their full little hen of the woods potential. Now, City Harvest is a great organization. They feed a lot of people. They take care of a lot of hungry people. It's really good. And we give a shit ton of food to them every day at work. But I'm thinking that I'm a little more deserving of those beautiful hen of the woods mushrooms than a bunch of homeless guys, right? The homeless wouldn't appreciate hen of the woods mushrooms. I mean, let's get real. They'd probably prefer a menthol cigarette and a donut to an organic mushroom. The truth hurts. So rationalization in hand, I scooped them all up. I took them up to tiny bungalow land where I butchered them, and I tossed them with olive oil and some chives from my garden, and I threw them on the grill and had myself a little locavore orgy-feeding frenzy. It was like a hen-of-the-woods massacre, a frenzy of fungal eating. I had mushroom blood dripping down my wrists and chin and leaving me with a wild gleam of the hunt and the kill in my eye basking in the glory of that, even if the hunt was only a matter of shoving them in my bag when nobody was looking. I mean, you can forage wherever you can these days, right? Nonetheless, still a valuable survival stealth skill and priceless when the apocalypse comes, which you can hear about in an episode I did a few weeks ago called The Apocalypse is Coming. What's for dinner? Well, I think radioactive blueberries if you know where to pick them. Okay, we're going to take a short break when we come back more about this scintillating subject.
0: At Whole Foods Market, we believe in healthy snacking, eating our veggies, and supporting local. Check out Brad's Raw Chips, a local producer that created irresistible chips after their namesake's successful weight loss with a raw lifestyle. Their chips are gluten-free, nutrient-packed, and so good that you'll think you're indulging. For more information, visit bradsrawchips.com.
2: Welcome back to Let's Get Real on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Erica Weitz, your host. Remember that all Heritage Radio shows are available all the time on heritageradionetwork.org. And also on iTunes. They're all downloadable on iTunes for free. You can also check out Let's letsgetrealshow.com. And you can leave comments questions you can get in touch with me you can find me on Facebook too let's get real on Facebook or you can follow me on Twitter let's get real show on Twitter and if you wouldn't mind you could go to iTunes and where there's a little place for you to leave comments about the show you could leave some comments because leaving comments helps to boost your ratings and God knows we could all use good ratings around here right so you know help sister out Okay, so you know what fruit actually is? Do you know what purpose fruit serves? Fruit is the reproductive organ of a plant. Ew, it's the ovary. Yuck. Well, so are eggs, too. Think about that. Fruit is designed by nature or whoever, Buddha or the goddess or your higher power or Brigham Young or, or whoever you believe in, designed to get really, really ripe and be so appealing to animals and so sweet and delicious that we can't bear not to eat it. Animals being us. So we eat it and then we digest it and then we poop out the seeds and voila, cultivation. It's how you spread it around, literally. I was probably pooping blue last weekend. Too much? Huh? Well, you can take it. That's why you listen to this show, right? It's never too much. And fruit is an amazing food. I mean, think about the, the iconographic quality of it. Iconic. Let's just leave it at that. Adam and Eve, the fruit of your loins, manna in the desert, fruits of your labor, ideas that bear fruit. See, super iconic and super important, and super foodiness rabbit hole fucked up too. So if you're not too young, if you're old enough, you may have an iconic Proustian, if you will, fruit memory Proustian. Like my mom who turns 75 tomorrow, by the way. Woo, happy birthday, Mom. My mom ate her first orange of her life in 1949 when she was 12. She was on the ship, a ship full of refugees getting out of Europe after World War II. They escaped Europe, and they got on a ship, and they came to the U.S., and they moved to Atlantic City, pre-casinos, of course. She ate her first orange of her life on that ship, and she said she can still remember the taste of it. That's pretty iconic. That's pretty Proustian. Or Chris, who says he remembers being like three or four years old and eating his first plum. And it was so good that he's never had that same experience again and always has wanted to replicate it and yearn for it. That's Proustian, by the way. You can just Google it. Just look up Proust. P-R-O-U-S-T. Marcel Proust. Just Google it, read the wiki page or something, and then you can pretend that you actually read his remembrance of things past because nobody actually read that. We all just know about the Proustian moment. And then it makes you look literate and erudite. And you can look up erudite also, but FYI, it's spelled E-R-U. Erudite, not A-I-R as in air. It would behoove you to look it up. Or my niece who, uh, when she ate her first solid food at about eight months after only breast milk, and we gave her some banana for the first time. She got this look on her face that said, What the hell have you been keeping from me all of these months? It's like I was on slim fast, and now I get to go to the olive garden and have unlimited soup and breadsticks. That was the look on her face. Like we were like pulling something over on her. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I love vegetables. You know how much I love vegetables and other foods too, you know, meat and dairy, and I like everything, but other foods don't I really give you that. You don't get that moment. You don't remember your first incredible first time eating broccoli. I mean, maybe Broccoli Rob because, as you know, I want to marry Broccoli Rob. Even now, if you can find a really good fruit, sometimes it doesn't match up to your expectations. My best friend Lisa lives in Portland, Oregon, and when we go visit her, I sneak around to all the neighbor's yards because everybody in Portland has these fruit trees growing these amazing fruit trees and i sneak around and i steal everybody's figs and everybody's plums at dawn when nobody's looking because there's so much freaking free fruit there that it makes it drives me mad so i sneak around and up the street from my summer place is someone who has a pear tree and they never pick their pears and so i wait stealthily all summer i watch that pear tree like a hawk all summer and as soon as they're ready i pull up in the car i run out i grab pears i get back in the car and i zoom away that's what you have to do. Chris said that once he was staying in someone's guest house in L.A. and there was a tangerine tree outside the guest house and he would go out there at night in the middle of the night and gorge himself on tangerines like he couldn't get enough of those tangerines. Now, an eggplant or a catfish doesn't really do that. It's pretty much fruit that only incites that sort of reaction. I mean, exhibit A, nobody makes asparagus desserts. But we would eat an apple tart any day and I love asparagus but nobody gets those Proustian moments anymore their Proustian moment with fruit will be like remembering their first fruit loop or their gusher or their gogurt or their gummy it's like growing up and remembering your first American Idol show instead of your first live concert or the first time your first crush liked you on Facebook instead of flirted with you in gym or the first time you saw Justin Bieber instead of the first time you saw Peter Frampton. All of it boils down to industrialization and mega farming, which is what did our fruit in. It made our fruit bigger and juicier and prettier and easier to ship and more resistant to disease, more available out of season all year round, and then it killed it, killed the flavor. I talked about this in an earlier episode too called Strawberries in Winter, the Taste of Disappointment. So when talk show doctor hosts and TV nutritionists get on the and they tell people that they should be eating more berries. Berries are the super fruit. Eat more berries. Eat berries all the time. Those supermarkets all around the country better have those berries in stock. Even if it's February in Minnesota or August in Miami, there better be some berries in that supermarket available because this is America, damn it. And if someone on TV tells us to eat it, we want it now and we don't want to wait. Except then maybe the host will say, like, it's okay if we eat the blueberry-flavored artificial sweetened yogurt instead, like the one that Jamie Lee Curtis tells us will make us poop better. Or the organic, organic Pop-Tart filled with real strawberries, which is their unintended reveal that they weren't real before. But they didn't tell us that. They just put pictures of strawberries on the package and let us infer that they were real. It turns out that foodiness seems to have killed our ability to read, too. Because that organic Pop-Tart with the real strawberry in it is actually filled with a paste of corn syrup and sugars and thickeners and industrial apples, schmutz and red color and strawberry flavoring and maybe a couple of actual strawberries thrown in just to meet labeling requirements. But the United Potato People of America, and I don't mean the potato producers, I mean the potato eaters, seem to think that those are perfectly good alternatives to the real thing. Maybe even better. And can you blame them? Of course, a raspberry-flavored Diet Jello Pop will taste better than a raspberry. Or rather, it tastes more like candy. And we Americans, we want everything to taste like candy. Because if it tastes like candy, it is. Also the name of an episode. We want to feel infantilized by our food. Also an episode, you're being infantilized by your fiber bars. Now, let's be honest. Have you eaten... A raspberry lately not you know one from your own plant in your backyard now you know who you are those of you who have those you don't really need to be listening to this but the raspberries you buy in the store in those little plastic boxes that you can get all year long which freaks me out real raspberries are in season for like four days now and that's it july august about four days and that's it you get them while you can eat them while you can. It's also wineberry season now, too. Wineberries are kind of like raspberries' cheap, flashy cousin. They're easier to find. They're more available. Happy to go home with first person to pick them up. Raspberries are much more elusive and more annoying to pick. It's so much easier just to get the raspberry-filled cereal bar made with whole grain and enhanced with omega-3s. And you know why? Because we live in the matrix now, and we have no sense of reality. Reality is the wild blueberry. The matrix is the blueberry muffin mix that says in teeny tiny little letters on the front below that beautiful picture of the muffin contains no blueberries. That is the matrix. And that makes you Keanu and that makes me Orange Fishburn. Which means I also know now what it is to be black and male. And I hand you a real wild raspberry in one hand and a raspberry-colored Swedish fish in the other. And it's your choice to stay in the foodiness matrix or join me in the realm of the real raspberry. We're going to take another short break, and when we get back, we'll finish this whole thing up.
1: Org is dedicated to providing the most up-to-date information and news on the food industry. Interviews with chefs and in-depth pieces on food systems take listeners literally from the farm to the fork. Can you hear this anywhere else? Nope. Press the donate button on our website and learn how you can become a founding member and support the station.
2: Welcome back to Let's Get Real on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Give us money, please. Thank you. Anyway, let's continue to reenact the matrix. In one hand, I have the real raspberry. In the other hand, I have the red flavor gummy. I see you've decided to eat the real raspberry. Welcome to the realm of the real fruit. That's me, being Lawrence Fishburne, by the way. But female and white. So let's take a look now at what I call the six degrees of foodiness. Now, this is something that I created in the early days of this show when it was still in development in the spring and summer of last year, 2011. And it's all on my website, Let's let'sgetrealshow.com, where you should really visit on a daily basis and leave comments and send me fan mail, through the web matrix and we're going to just abbreviate this because i'm running out of time and i'm getting sick of my own voice even but i'm going to just whip you through this really quick we're going to use the example of an apple to take a horrifying trip down the foodiness rabbit hole and we'll take a quick stop at each of the six degrees of foodiness along the way now don't worry it's a long trip down there but i brought snacks and there is a bathroom at the bottom so we will be making a quick stop So let's talk about a real apple. First of all, we have a real apple. It's grown locally on a tree, no chemicals. That's your real apple. First degree foodiness. And you know there's a little TM after foodiness. It's trademarked, but I won't say the TM. First degree foodiness kind of enters the picture once that apple has been sprayed and fungicided and pesticided and has food waxes and all kinds of junk on it, because that apple's probably been grown on the other side of the world and has to be shipped and put in cold storage. And so it's been, it's been tampered with. It's been depleted of its pureness, in a way. And it also creates a massive apple-shaped carbon footprint as it's making its journey to you from wherever it's coming from. So a first-degree apple is still an apple, but now it's got manufactured and altered elements to it, so it's definitely not a real apple. Second degree foodiness is when you take that apple And you do something really minimal to it You reconfigure it or you process it You dry it or bake it, make a crisp Or an unsweetened applesauce A crisp like an apple chip Not like, ah, mom made an apple crisp for Thanksgiving Applesauce, cider, baby apple food with no sugar None of those are bad things They're not just apples They were apples, but now they've become something else Third degree foodiness means that that apple's been reconfigured Mass-produced, processed, and now sweetened Sweetened industrial applesauce, sweetened industrial baby food, apple fruit leather with lots of sugar, yogurt with sweetened apple. You get the picture. Not necessarily bad either, but lots of sugar. The sugar is starting to take the place of the real apple. Fourth degree foodiness is when what we would normally associate with being an apple veers perilously close to junk food. Pre-bagged sliced apple dippers with corn syrup caramel sauce fourth-degree foodiness, or those baby treats like organic apple-flavored puffs that are really mostly just white flour and sugar and apple powder, apple juice drinks with corn syrup, energy bars with apple syrup in them. That's fourth-degree foodiness. Really getting pretty far away from an apple at this point. Fifth-degree foodiness happens when the additives added to the apple are taking up more of its space than the apple itself. So things like squeeze tube yogurt that's been dyed and sweetened and flavored with apple juice concentrate, but doesn't actually have any real fruit. Those fruit filled breakfast toaster pastries that are filled with a paste with a little juice concentrate in it. Organic apple flavored fruit gummies. That's my favorite one. In each case, foodiness products are just junk in disguise. Although the conceit with fifth degree foodiness is that it's better than junk because even though the ingredient list has all kinds of nasty, chemically weird, sugary stuff, there's still some apple in there. So it has that health halo. And then six-degree foodiness, because this is the six degrees of foodiness, is defined by its, by its complete artificiality. Fruit loops, if it's spelled F-R-O-O-T, it's not real fruit. So this is your zero-calorie apple-flavored drinks, your Star Wars character-shaped green apple snacks, your apple cinnamon breakfast loops. Perfect examples. Years and years after the real apples have gotten moldy and been thrown away, six-degree foodiness apples will still be edible, preserved for eternity in a cinnamon-toasty, sweetened apple green heaven. Now you're like Keanu, waking up in the pod, realizing that you haven't been feeding off foodiness fruit all of these years. It's been feeding off of you. That's six degrees. Scary, right? It's enough to give you orthorexia, which I'm sure I have, since I can't eat anything anymore, seeing as nothing is pure or uncorrupted enough. I've talked about orthorexia before in here. It's like in the first Matrix, when Keanu now has to eat that horrible, like, goo that comes out of a tap, because that's all there is. But it's realer, more real than the virtual food he thought he was eating while he was actually nothing but a battery for the Matrix. Now, there are these lists, the Dirty Dozen is one of them that I've mentioned before, that lists all the foods you're supposed to avoid. But how am I supposed to remember all of that stuff when I'm hungry or I'm shopping and I have to remember everything else, like all my passwords, and to make sure that I tweet and that I go to Zumba and that I wear sunblock and I TiVo Breaking Bad. And, oh, yeah, today the C train is running on the B line, but the B line says it's a C, so how do I get home from work? And on. And on and on. Let's get real, people. Real food is hard. Foodiness is easy. It's what I keep saying. So what do you do? Well, first of all, you got to dump the foodiness. I would rather see you eat the toxic blueberries from chili in Fargo in February than the blue-flavored corn syrup dots in a muffin or the blueberry-flavored fruit paste in a gummy bear. Real food always trumps foodiness, even if the real is somewhat toxic. The benefits of real food always outweigh the toxic elements. There's some nutrition in real food and real fruit, even toxic second degree fruit. But there's hardly any nutrition in your fat and sugar free strawberry go gurt in a tube. I'm sorry, there just isn't. But that said, do you really need to eat blueberries in Fargo in February? And really, while we're on the subject, what are you doing in Fargo in the first place? Get your ass back to Brooklyn, where things are real. Now, it's true there are no tourists like there are here, but if you start moving far out enough in Brooklyn, you won't see any tourists either. I recommend moving to, oh, let's say Brownsville, East New York. That would work. Wait until summer. Eat the real blueberries. In winter, eat apples. Local apples that were picked in October and put in cold storage. That's eating real. That's how people did it before we had airplanes and trains and refrigerators. Now, it would be even better if those apples were organic, but a chemical-dipped apple is still more real than a bowl of Apple Jacks cereal. Even those apples that are being sold in the little bags at McDonald's now are more real than an apple breakfast bar. So if you are eating at McDonald's, which I know you're not, but you might be, at least that's a start, Now, those apples are going to taste so crappy that you either, A, go back to eating the Big Mac, or B, make the effort to get the real locally grown seasonal apple and realize that reality tastes better. It just sometimes takes a little adjusting, too. And if you can't or you won't buy organic, then just avoid fruit with thin skin, like all berries and peaches and plums and apples and pears and just about everything else, because all fruit has thin skin. And eat things like watermelon and pineapples and citrus fruits and bananas. Now, other than watermelons, those are all tropicals. So they're never in season here because they come from far away. They don't grow here, remember? One time, a student of mine went down to Union Square to the farmer's market in the middle of the winter for the first time. They went in the middle of the winter and came back and complained to me that there was nothing good to buy there. It was like January. I mean, even in the Matrix, fruit doesn't grow when it's covered in ice. So you'll never be free from pesticides in your fruit if you don't buy purely organic. But you can avoid them, too. Like, there's always that person at work that you avoid. The one who's always doing some kind of disease of the week walk or raising money or selling Girl Scout cookies. You know, the one who's like kind of overweight but claims she does all these walks for charity. Maybe you should walk a little more. So you can buy your tropicals and leave a really big carbon footprint. Or you can eat toxic and maintain your dainty little size six foot. Or you can try to really eat real, like I do. Organic and local and seasonal and drive yourself crazy trying to do so and maybe go broke. And then wind up in an orthorexia clinic. But they don't really have a wing for that yet at Betty Ford. There is no orthorexia clinic yet. So I think I'm going to have to start one. I'm starting the Erica Whites Clinic for orthorexia. No insurance accepted. Now, I know it's hard. That's the whole idea of let's get real. To get real about how effing hard it is to find and eat real. And fruit is one of the hardest things. I think fruit is really the, it's the icon. It's the hardest one. I mean, you can't trust fruit. I mean, look at them. Napoleon, McCarthy, Larry Craig, Tom Cruise. You can't trust them. And when it comes to getting real, it's all a matter of degree. More real is better than less real. That apple at McDonald's, better than Apple Jack's. Out-of-season pesticide-covered apple, better than an apple-flavored gogurt. Keanu Reeves, better than Will Smith. And if you find it really complicated or tricky and you lose your motivation, think about this. If Keanu had picked the wrong pill, if he had taken the blue pill instead of the red pill, or however it was, to stay in the Matrix then there would have been no sequels to the movies. He would have no more career, and I would have no material for my show. So if getting heart disease and cancer and diabetes is easier for you, then just go ahead and do it. I hope you have good insurance, though. Remember that apple a day that you're always supposed to eat? That maybe you skipped and ate a donut instead? Well, good luck with that. And so if you happen to see me on the side of the road... Somewhere in, oh, you know, New York State, someplace, or out in Portland, and and I'm picking berries. Or if you see me sneaking onto somebody's front yard at dawn, stealing their plums, come on and join me. Come join me in the realm of the real. It's okay, I can share. There's plenty of real fruit to go around, and maybe if you're lucky, I'll cast you in the Let's Get Real Part Two, the web series. But I'm sorry, we don't pay scale. So remember, if you don't want to eat shit, for God's sake, keep tuning into Let's Get Real here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks to my co-producer, Chris Nutter, this week. And thanks to Joe in the control room. And we will see you in a week.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our programs archived on our website or by searching iTunes for Heritage Radio Network. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website. Thanks for listening.